Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the fifth episode of the Orville Line Sports Layup Line. I am joined, as always, today by my co-host, Nolan Russell. Nolan, how's it hanging? It's good. I'm excited to talk some basketball. It's been a while since we've uh, done one of these. It has been what the kids call a hot minute since we <laughs> since we have recorded our last episode. A lot has happened. I mean, a lot of standing shifts have happened. Uh, a lot of trends have happened. The Knicks, unfortunately, have had their win streak ended. That's I. That's definitely a topic of conversation. Uh, the Wizards have also been extremely hot. Those are just off the top of my head some things that uh, I want to talk about. But where do you want to start today? Yeah, I guess we can just like hop right in. Uh take a look at some of the standings uh, update our listeners on what the playoff picture is looking like and uh, talk about some of the teams on the rise like you just mentioned so we can just uh, get right into that um yeah i mean we might as well we might as well start with the eastern conference i mean the nets the nets are a top no really surprise there i mean they still haven't really been able to assemble their uh their three their top, their big three they really haven't seen them all on the floor um but kd should be returning uh i guess should be what tonight or tomorrow because i know he came off the bench the other night yeah i, I would assume he's he's going to be back uh probably next game back yeah, in the he, starting lineup yeah he came, came out and said he wanted to challenge himself by coming off the bench i mean i don't i don't mind the move i mean especially nursing nursing a thigh injury i feel like that that's not the kind of thing that you want to put 35 minutes in a game uh, right onto as you're coming back. Um, yeah. And I think, I think it was also not, not to get into narratives, but I think it was also to kind of settle down some of the things that uh, were speculated following his interview about why he went to golden state. I don't know. I feel like it had, it's a, had some ties to do with it, but we'll, we'll give a little breakdown. So we have nets, nets at one 76ers at two bucks at three and Knicks at four. So with those top four there, what, what, uh, what's your biggest surprise? I mean, mine's definitely the Knicks. I would also agree with you on the Knicks. I did a preseason like article for OTL and I had the Knicks 14th in my East. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely did not expect them to finish fourth yet. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected this. This is this is an impressive run we've seen from them, and they're they're what they just won nine in a row before their most recent loss too. So they're getting hot, like as uh, as we speak. Surprising run from them for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, you want to talk about getting hot at the right time. I mean, especially especially going to the playoffs in today's NBA, it's kind of really important to ride momentum when you can get it. And I mean, even though even though Chris Paul handed them a little bit of a, a stunner last night, still still extremely hot. And I mean, a lot to do with Julius Randle. I mean, Randle Randle has played really really well this season, and uh, I think it has a lot to do with some of the new uh, some of the new front office and head coaching changes that they've made. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is really revitalize that organization um i think people really don't talk about his impact as much as uh as much as the players on the court have uh have impacted at least on their little nine game run prior to last night but i mean we we talked about it before the podcast we talked about our uh, coach of the year rankings and you happen to have tom thibodeau in a very very interesting position i mean i i don't disagree with it per se but um what would you say has really been the key to the next success like even past the play on the floor from a few guys well i think uh a lot of their success just stems from their defense their defense has been really really good this year and i think frankly that's mostly just tom thibodeau you know for throughout his whole career he's been known as a, as a coach that just gets things done on the defensive end uh, especially back in his days with the bulls like they were consistently a top defensive team in the league and we see that again this year with the knicks they've been top five in defensive rating all season and like bottom three in defensive rating last year i think so it, it's not like they brought in a whole bunch of new players and just randomly became good. Like I, I really think Tom Thibodeau is, is the key to their defensive success, just putting in a system and a, a culture there that, that people are buying into. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, um, I think the facelift of the Knicks is probably one of my, one of my more interesting things that I've seen this season, at least on my little shortlist. Um, I mean, LeBron did say it best. I mean, the league is at its best when the Knicks are winning. 
I mean, Knicks fans have always been crazy like that, whether it be draft reactions or whether it just be passion inside the MSG. I mean, one of the most electric stadiums in professional sports. Um, but I mean, it is, it is pretty, pretty revitalizing to see the Knicks have success. Um, I do want to ask before we transition to five through eight in the East, uh, do you see this translating to long-term success in this playoff run? Not really. I, I, I do like their, their recent stretch and with the playoff picture currently as it is, they are expected like to play the Hawks in the first round, which I do think is a beatable first round opponent. So maybe they get a first round win. I don't see any scenario where they beat any of those top three teams. So they're not getting past the second round. Mm-hmm. I would doubt that they get past the first round too, but I, I don't think it's out of the question. Especially if like if Miami or Boston end up in that five seed though, I, I really don't like the Knicks chances in the in a head to head series against either of them. But you know, they've been really great like recently. So I, I wouldn't count them out yet. Yeah, I um uh, I don't disagree. I mean, as hot as the Knicks have been uh as of late, I just I don't like their matchup against a, an equally strong defensive team, uh like with the Heat. I mean, I just think they're a bit too complete. Um, I mean, not to needless to say, I mean, the Heat haven't been playing their best basketball lately. I mean, they're treading at 500 over the last 10, but I mean, that has a lot to do. I think they're, they're still missing Ole. Um, They've had a few other players dip in and out um, over the last stretch of, I think it was five to six games. But I mean, I mean, now that we're on the topic, we might as well run through five through eight. We have the Hawks at five, Celtics at six, Heat at seven and Hornets at eight. I am kind of surprised, although the Celtics have been playing well recently, I'm surprised that they're that low at six. I mean, they haven't really been playing their best basketball this season, but I did expect at least going into this season for them to hold it possibly a top four position, if not even maybe a little bit higher. But I don't know how you see it, but uh, but give me give me your expectations for the five through eight. And uh, and if you see anyone else maybe squeaking into that eight seed or even the uh, is it a, the play ins between eight and nine? Is it not? They're doing a seven versus eight. Uh, the winner gets the number seven seed in the playoffs. And yeah. then they have a nine versus 10. The winner of that plays the loser of the seven versus eight for the eight season. Whoa. Actually, that makes sense because they did earn technically a playoff spot in regular season. I guess you kind of have to reward. You have to reward the, the team that played well for the majority of the season who was currently holding a playoff spot in a traditional season. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Now, is it is it's a one game like like do or die, right? It's not a series yeah. of three. Yeah. So with <clears throat> so with the format being seven versus eight and then nine versus ten, and then the nine versus ten winner playing the loser of the seven versus eight seems very complicated. It's tough to place early predictions given that everything's not set in stone. But I mean, if you had to hypothetically look at it right now with the Heat Hornets and then Pacers Wizards, what's what's your seven and eight outcome from that? I think he uh are pretty comfortably uh the best team out of that group. And I, I think they especially if they play the Hornets. I think the Hornets are probably the weakest of those of those four teams. So I feel pretty confident the Heat will beat the Hornets. Pacers-Wizards is actually a really interesting matchup because Indiana has been better for most of the season. They're a team that's you know found their way into the playoffs multiple times over the past few years. Really good core there. But Washington's been playing very, very good recently. Like they, mm-hmm. they've heated up right down the stretch. And I think they might be able to beat Indiana in that game. And I, I think hypothetically, whoever wins that matchup, I like their chances of, of beating Charlotte and taking the eight seed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'll, I'll pick the uh, Heat as my seven and the Wizards as my eight as it currently stands. I uh I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to call it too by the book, but I, I am going to agree with you there. I think, um, I think the heat for me are definitely, I don't want to say a shoe in because it's pretty hard to give, give shoe ins, especially with how, how anecdotal this season's been game to game. Um, but I think, I think the heat are definitely my favorite against the Hornets. I mean, just in terms of the matchup right now with LaMelo still being out, I mean, I don't really see them uh, contending with the heat in like a one game, but that's the thing. You never really know what's going to happen, um, game to game, but 
I definitely would prefer would per or I think uh, my pick would definitely be the Heat there. And then Wizards Pacers, as you said, would be interesting because the Pacers are one of those teams that can definitely definitely perform whenever needed. But they've definitely been the more consistent team all year. But the Wizards, again, much like the Knicks, have hit uh, hit the right or hit a hot stretch right at the end, right at the right time. I mean, Westbrook and Beal are starting to, I think, finally click. I think they're starting to realize how they can kind of both uh, file out on the floor. I mean, Westbrook still hasn't been uh, shooting extremely well, but he's his passing, at least from what I've seen, has been unbelievable lately. I mean, his driving kick game has been the best it's been all season. And I mean, he just continues to do his thing. So, and I think, I think for the most part, I like, I like the Wizards roster a lot more than I like the Pacers roster. I think the Wizards are a lot more deep and I think them getting hot at the right time with that roster, I think will be really, uh, really interesting against the one game with the Pacers. So yeah, I think I would say Heat, Heat Wizards as well. What would you say is the likelihood with the few games that we have left that we see maybe the Raptors or the Bulls push the Wizards for that last spot? Well, I mean, both the Raptors and the Bulls are tied right now and they're both one game behind the Wizards, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely, definitely not out of the question. Like that's going to be a tight three-way race down the stretch yeah really i mean like one game difference like it could go to any of those teams which is kind of the danger with uh with the wizards right now like they've pushed themselves into that spot but that spot is not guaranteed for them like they have to continue to win if they if they want to stay ahead of those two so yeah i mean really any one of those teams could could end up securing the 10 seed yeah and it's uh it is pretty hard to give hypotheticals right now, especially given that we, I think we have over 10 games left for most teams uh, for the rest of the season. So it is pretty hard to kind of anchor anything down. Um, I can't lie. I would love to see the bulls maybe push for a nine or 10 seed. Um, I would love to see Levine try to make a splash in, um, in a one and done game. Um, and I mean the rest of that roster too. Like I, I like the way the bulls have been playing down the stretch. I mean, Valentine had a big game the other night and then tried to mimic it and ended up airballing. Um, but I, uh, the Bulls have been playing well. I like, uh, well, I guess not, not as of late, but I like the team that they have. And I think that they could, they could make a splash given a right matchup in a seven through 10 seating, uh, format with the play in games. Um, and I mean, unless we had any other, uh, comments quickly on the East, I mean, we could shift over to the West. Yeah. I mean, the, really the only thing that I'd like to mention here is we're, we're talking about teams that are, that are pretty pretty far down in the uh in the negatives in terms of their win loss record and then uh yeah. we're going to shift over to the west where uh we're, the 10 seed is 31 <laughs> and 30 right now <laughs> yeah it's uh it's kind of night and day between the two conferences and i mean it's pretty i don't want to say it's pretty hard to call anything chalk in the west but i mean there's so many teams that could come out and beat any other team in this conference i mean it's so hard to call at this point yeah, I, uh, I like these uh these hypothetical matchups for their play-in games that I'm looking at right now. These are uh, these are yeah. four very good teams. <laughs> the fact that two of them are missing out on the playoffs while well, we're we're talking about someone like uh the Wizards that are 27 and 34 right now potentially yeah that are holding the 10. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean we might as well start at the top. I mean that's what we did for the East, so we'll start at the top. I mean we have uh Jazz at one, Suns at two, Clippers at three, Nuggets at four. To be honest, there's really no surprise here. I did expect the Nuggets to be holding the two, if not the one seed. They were kind of my, they were one of my dark horse picks to uh, finish a bit higher in the conference than they are right now. But I, uh, I can't really argue with this. I mean, Clippers have been playing really well as of late. I mean, the Nuggets are an extremely deep roster. And I mean, Monty Williams and Quinn Snyder leading both of those teams uh, at one and two. I think uh, that's really no surprise. I mean, the Suns, the Suns for most people's standards have been a bit of a surprise, just given the how immense their success has been this year with the addition of Chris Paul. But I mean, I, I love what the Suns are doing. I mean, they're playing great cohesive basketball. I mean, everyone's sharing the rock. There's really no selfish bone in any of their bodies. I mean, it's just, it's easy when you can, when you're able to play as a complete roster and not have any individual individual agenda and I feel like the Suns are just one of those teams who embody that and I mean that's the kind of thing that you can't really teach and it's like they're all kind of just buying in and playing extremely well 
Yeah, I mean, I was actually pretty high on the Suns coming into the season. The bigger surprise for me is Utah. I did not expect them to be the number one seed in the West. Uh, I actually, I think I had them at eight in my preseason uh, predictions. Granted, like I said in my article, I think my five to eight could kind of were pretty much interchangeable. Like the West was just so stacked, but I definitely did not expect them to be this good, especially like, I mean, they've pretty much have the same roster that they've had for, for the past few years. And they've consistently been around like a five to seven seed. So nobody really expected them to to make this kind of leap this year, but mm-hmm. uh, credit to them. They've been, they've been very good all season long. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, and that was in no way to overlook the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz have been playing really well all year. And uh, I mean, it's no surprise. I mean, they have a very good roster. But I think I think one team, I mean, we'll move we'll move quickly to five through eight, because I think, as I mentioned, like one through four, aside from the Jazz, I think was pretty much what a lot of people would expect. Um, I mean, aside from the fifth seed being the Lakers, but I mean, that has a lot to do with the injuries that they faced for a lot of the year. I mean, 80 was out early and then uh, he's just coming back now. But LeBron's been out for a lot of the year. Um, but I mean, we'll just run through the five through eight. I mean, we have the Lakers, Mavs, Trailblazers and Grizzlies. I'm a bit, I don't want to say disappointed in the Mavs because I think they had the potential to be a bit higher, but considering the strength ahead of them, I mean, I'm not really surprised why they're not higher. I am impressed by the Grizzlies though. I mean, the Grizzlies have a a lot of youth in that roster. um, And I didn't really expect Jaw to have that much of an impact this year, given he was coming off of a pretty sizable injury. But I mean, the Grizzlies have been playing well. I mean, they haven't been playing uh, great as of late, but I like like the roster that they have. And for how much youth that they have, they've been playing really well. And they've been contending with a lot of um, older, more, I I want to say deep teams, not to uh, not to demean their roster, but there really isn't many surprises. I mean, the only surprise is really the Warriors being out of it, but they're they haven't been healthy all season. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts though? I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, the Mavs uh, were a team I was I was pretty high on. I I think I had them as a my four seed in the preseason predictions, but you know, with Porzingis missing almost half their games, that that obviously doesn't help. And they've had a bunch of guys that have kind of come in and out of their lineup. They've had some COVID issues earlier in the season, and you know they're 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 playing pretty well recently and I, I think they're they're going to continue to remain among the the top teams in the west uh they're a six seed right now but six seed in the west is uh is nothing to shake a stick at and uh, i agree with you that i think the grizzlies as the eight seed is kind of the bigger surprise for me i had the warriors in my in my top eight in my preseason predictions and i did not have the grizzlies in my top eight i think i had them at nine or ten but you know it's not a huge surprise they're a very good team and they're basically tied with the Warriors right now. They're 31 and 29. Spurs are also 31 and 29. The Warriors are 31 and 30. So like those three teams are basically interchangeable for that eight seed right now. Yeah, I um I did want to mention quickly just before we move on to uh, the play and hypothetical on the West side. The Blazers are scaring me a little bit. I can't lie. The Blazers are on a five game slide right now. I I'm not completely sold with them going into the playoffs playing how that they're playing right now. I mean, they've had a little bit of inconsistency here and there. I mean, Dame showed up pretty much night to night, but I mean, the supporting cast really has been pretty hot and cold for him. Not to say that he can't pull a Dame moment like he has in the past, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not quite sold, especially them going into a hypothetical plane with any of the other three teams that are in the eight through 10 being the Grizzlies, Spurs or Warriors. I mean, I'm not I'm not convinced that they're a shoe in for seven or the eight the way that they're playing yeah, right now anyway. Yeah, I mean, their most recent game was a, it was a loss to the Grizzlies and they, they lost the Grizzlies right before that as well. So they're their hypothetical matchup is against the Grizzlies, which is a you know a team that just beat them twice. So uh, I definitely don't think that they're a shoe in here. I I think on paper they have the strongest roster, and they're they're a team that typically steps up uh, in the clutch. We saw in the the bubble last year they they played some of their best basketball down the stretch. So I would uh, I would expect them to still get in, especially because you know the seven seven team has to lose twice in order to to get knocked out, which mm-hmm. I think is unlikely but not impossible. 
I would I would still expect them to get in, but yeah, they're definitely in in potentially a dangerous spot. I mean, really, like they might not even stay in the seventh seed or the eighth seed. They they might end up in that nine ten matchup because they're only one win ahead of uh of the Spurs right now. So that's uh that's another thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting, especially over their next few games. I mean, they play the Grizzlies again. Uh, they play them tomorrow, and then I think they play the Nets, the Celtics, and then they play the Hawks, who aren't that bad, and then they have the Lakers in a few more weeks after that. So. I mean, they have they have a few tough teams down the stretch. I mean, it's going to be up to them to finish strong to prove that they they are worth that seven seed. But I mean, even past the ten seed, I mean, there really aren't many teams that we could see squeaking in. I would say I would love to see the Pelicans get in. They would kind of they would probably have to play the best basketball they played all season to get in. They would hypothetically probably have to go on like an eight eight or nine game win streak out of their last 10 or 11 games to make it. But I think the Zion factor in the, in the playoffs would be really interesting. I would love to see what he would bring to a hypothetical play in game, a one and done situation. Well, I guess it would have to be a two and out in order for them to actually make a series. But I mean, what do you place any stock in the possibility of that happening? Or do you think the seven, the seven through 10 is pretty much chalk and you don't really see anything moving like, like outside of that, like see them interchanging, but you don't see anyone from the bottom coming up. Yeah. I think mathematically the Pelicans and Kings are the only teams that have a shot. I think the Kings is, are probably done at this point. They're about six games back with 11 games left. That That's almost Tough. impossible. Yeah. The Pelicans are four games back with 11 left, which will be a challenge. It is worth noting, though, that because we have like four teams that are essentially tied here, it only takes one of them to go on a losing skid for the for the Pelicans to sneak in. Like It's not like they're just trying to catch one team. They have four possible teams that they could catch here. So if the Pelicans get hot and one of those teams get cold, it's possible they could sneak in. I don't think it's very likely. These these four teams have been pretty consistent all year. They all have positive win like all they all have positive records right now. So mm-hmm. uh expecting them to to suddenly drop off at the end is is probably not very likely. I think eleven games left in a in a four game four game cushion is is pretty significant here. And I I don't expect the Pelicans to to be able to squeak in. Yeah. I um as, as much as I would like to see it, I don't think it's very likely considering what, what you had just broken down there. I mean, they would need to go on an unbelievable stretch and they would need a lot of help from, um, above them. Barring barring anything else that we want to talk about in the West, we could move on to the uh, to a little, little post-review of the trade deadline of uh, transactions that we talked about a few weeks ago. I well, did want to mention... Uh, predict the play-in games? I don't think we... we oh, yeah. That. No, I was just going to... I was actually going to touch on that before we were done. I mean, to be honest, if I see it shaking out right now, at this point, with 10 or 11 games left before they've been played, I would probably say the Grizzlies are going to beat the Blazers. So the Grizzlies would probably end up being the seven. I think the Warriors are going to beat the Spurs, especially since it's just one game and it's not a series. I could definitely see Steph doing something unbelievable in that game. And then honestly, Steph against Dame for a playoff scene, I think that'll be a really interesting thing. I think the Blazers will probably come out with that, but I wouldn't see, I could definitely see Steph putting up like a 40 or 45 bomb and still losing. So I would say it's basically just going to be a Grizzlies trailblazer swap as of right now. Predicting these is definitely, I think, even harder than the East because we mm-hmm. essentially have teams that are pretty much tied and the order that they're going to be in is, is very much up for debate. Literally like 1 a.m. The, the Mavs are one win ahead of the Blazers, so they could definitely drop into this too. But mm-hmm. as it stands right now, if it, if these are indeed the matchups, I'll take Portland over Memphis. I think 
I just like Portland uh, down the stretch. They're they're usually a team that, that plays at their best. So I think I'm going to take them in that matchup. I agree with you. I'll probably go Warriors over Spurs. I just think Steph uh, Steph's had such a great season. And I think he's got that, that playoff experience. And when it comes down to it, I, I just trust him more than I, I trust anyone on the Spurs roster in a one game head to head. And then I got Warriors and Grizzlies. I'm actually going to pick the Warriors. I think, I think, like I just said, Golden State has a lot of these uh, experienced guys, whether it's Steph or Dre, that just know how to get things done uh, in the playoffs. And we don't really see that with Memphis's roster. So I'm just going to gonna bank on the experience here, bank on the stars and uh, Steph especially. So yeah, I guess I'll I'll have Blazers as my seven and Warriors as my eight. Yeah, I could I could definitely I could definitely be swayed to put Warriors. I mean, I definitely see them coming out against the Spurs. It would kind of I don't know. I don't want to say it would depend on who's hotter on that day between whether it be a Warriors Grizzlies second game matchup or it would be a Blazers Warriors uh, second game matchup. But as I said, I think I think the Grizzlies could definitely come out on top against the Blazers. I mean, especially off a of recent history coming off their uh, recent wins against them. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't doubt the flip side of that either. I mean, as you said, the Blazers are a lot more of a complete roster. They also have a lot more experience. I think that plays plays a lot of a bigger factor than people give it credit for, even in the COVID circumstances that we're in. But I think, yeah, I wouldn't put it past the Warriors to go on an unreal run in a in a little two game stretch to prove their worth. But I mean, let's uh, let's shift over. I mean, we we did uh, spend a good amount of time on our last podcast episode talking about uh, the last uh, trade or the sorry the more recent trade transactions uh, before the deadline hit. Were there any that jumped off the page to you uh, as of today that you wanted to talk about and revisit? Yeah, I mean, I think right after the trade, we were both kind of in agreement that Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets was was a big move, great move for the Nuggets. And I think that's played out so far. I think Denver's played better since getting Gordon. Gordon's played better since arriving there. It's just a perfect fit for him. Jokic has just been feeding him on on his cuts and uh, alley-oops. And I, I just think it's really the right offensive system for Gordon to thrive. And an underrated aspect is the fact that he's just a, a really, really good, versatile defender. And he's, he's really helped uh, improve their defense as a whole. So I think just across the board, Aaron Gordon, to me, is is the best pickup that we've seen this trade deadline. And I think he's really helped elevate this Nuggets team as a whole. Yeah, I agree. He's he's definitely been slotted in, making immediate impact. He is playing less minutes than he did on the Magic, but that's just given the roster and the strength that the Nuggets have. But as you said, he's a great, versatile weapon, not only on offense, but on, uh, on defense as well. He's able to pick up switches really easily. He can guard multiple positions. He takes a lot of weight off of some of their more uh, immobile guys or guys who care, aren't as versatile as he is. He, he provides a lot a lot for that defense and their offense. I do think looking back on it, given his, I don't want to say minimal production because he's not playing terribly. Just looking at the package that they gave up, I mean, Harris, Hampton, and Future first. I mean, I see this as being pretty chalk right now. I think the addition of Gordon to a really deep playoff team like the Nuggets does hold a lot of weight. But I think looking back on the package, I think it was a lot considering what they've gotten back. I mean, it's not it's not completely indicative. You're not seeing everything that Gordon does on the stat sheet. But I think, I think this is a lot closer than people give it credit for. But I think going into the playoffs, I think you'll see Gordon play a lot bigger of a role. And I think he'll get a lot more involvement in that offense. And I mean, I just think, I think a guy like him, like, as you mentioned, just versatile on both sides of the ball. I feel like he's kind of the exact gel guy that you would want for a for a tough competing team like the Nuggets are. I would definitely still give the Nuggets the double on this trade. I do I do want to say though I think in terms of the return that the Magic got, I think the Magic should be very happy with what they got in return. But I think for the state the state where the Nuggets are at in terms of their competition and kind of in win now mode, recognizing that some of the other teams that would be their competition aren't as strong as they are right now, whether that be due to injury or trend. I think this is definitely a dub for the Nuggets just given what they got back and how much Gordon adds as you mentioned. Yeah, another uh, sort of underrated winner of the deadline a team that's 
really terrible this year, but I think has set themselves up well for the future is, is the Cavs. I, I really like the fact that they pretty much got Jared Allen for nothing as part mm-hmm. of that that J, uh, James Harden trade. And another uh, interesting thing is the fact that they basically acquired JaVale McGee in the offseason because the Lakers were trying to get rid of his cap. So they, they literally got a second round pick for taking on JaVale McGee. And then they traded him for two more second round picks at the deadline. So they basically got half a season of McGee plus three second round picks for nothing. You know, it's those little moves like that 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 end up helping a team out and I've been I've been pretty impressed with uh, the Cavs management just finding finding little things that that help the team in the future. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree. I think especially with a team like the Cavs who are looking to go into like a big rebuild mode immediately, I think attaining that much capital through so few moves I think is really like underappreciated in today's league like given how much star power is important and how much like winning really drives the success of a franchise even though you can't really recognize <laughs> recognize success during a rebuild. But I do like the moves that the Cavs have made as you said, <clears throat> getting Jared Allen for basically a bag of chips is unreal. I mean he provides a lot of value to your team and I think his role on the floor really hasn't been I don't want to say fully fully on display but I think given the point where that franchise is at where they're kind of an incomplete roster a few more holes still to fill whether that be through the draft or free agency um, I think Allen Allen will definitely prove uh, a piece for the future for them and I think he'll be a staple in that organization for a while and as you mentioned a lot of the draft capital that they've gotten I think will be big for them going forward I mean being able to capitalize on youth contracts uh, being able to kind of offload some of their veteran guys who are on some more money I think that'll really free up some opportunity for them in free agency to bring up some really good role players to go and uh, to go with and complement their youth that they either have now or get through the draft. But I like, as you said, I like the moves by the Cavs management. I mean, thinking ahead, not being too, not being too anal on, um, on performing this season and uh, not really getting caught up, caught up in the media about uh, them not being really able to win right now. I think it's big for them going forward though. I, I can't disagree. I do want to look back at the heat getting Oladipo because that right now hasn't age great given how few games he's played. I still like the trade considering how much Oladipo can bring to both sides of the ball with the heat. I think it'll just depend his health going into the playoffs. His, I don't think his timetable has been up data recently i think they said his earliest return would be the last week of the season going into the playoffs um i think if he comes back and makes the impact that we expect him to make if he can get comfortable in that last week going into the playoffs and kind of catch a stride with that roster going in i think this this trade will prove a lot better than it has right now because it hasn't panned out great considering how many games he's missed but i don't don't know how you feel about it yeah in theory i like it if he's healthy and uh his production has been his production hasn't been great so far but he's a talented player and they didn't really give up much for him. So on paper, I, I still don't, I don't mind this trade for them. I don't know if it's, uh if it's really going to pan out, especially with his injury troubles, as you mentioned, but we'll see if he can, if he can get healthy. I think he's expected to miss like the next four games. So he should have a like six or seven games down the stretch to, to try to get acclimated to his new roster. He's only played four games with them so far, only averaging about 12 points as a Miami Heat. So hasn't been a great start uh, in Miami, shooting about 37% from the field in those four games. So hopefully he'll he'll be able to get back into the rotation and, and find his, uh, his groove a little bit down the stretch and get ready for the playoffs. I still think uh, he's a very good two-way player that can help them if uh, if he's healthy and if he's playing better, really. He just hasn't been his best this season, especially since the trade. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think uh, I think the weight of the trade definitely has to do, um, or sorry, kind of definitely weighs on the shoulders of whether or not he's healthy. I think if he is fully healthy, I think give him a little bit of time, as I said, to kind of get used to playing with that roster again and fit back in. I think you'll see his productivity rise. I think you'll see his efficiency rise. I mean, he is good enough that he can kind of figure it out. I do want to move over to this one because this one is really polarizing considering their position now. Uh, The Clippers picking up Rondo for Lou Will. I think this trade does a lot more than people give it credit for. I mean, Rondo is kind of the ideal floor general. I mean, he kind of, he's one of those guys where he does a lot more than what the stats say. Um, 
And I mean, he's, he's just one of those guys that's a big gel guy, especially a veteran like that who can kind of come in and kind of corral a locker room and get guys focused. Um, I, I, I like the move. And I think especially seeing how it panned out where they're currently sitting in the West, I really like this, especially going into the playoffs with how well that they're playing. I definitely see this. Uh, I don't I don't know how we how we called it uh, on the last episode, but I think this is definitely a win for the Clippers, especially being able to offload Lou Will's contract too. Yeah, I think Rondo is a better playoff performer, better, much better defender, better playmaker, which is kind of what they needed. And really, it's the defensive aspect that that makes this a win for them, in my opinion. When you when you've got a team that has as many offensive weapons as the Clippers have, there's just not really a need for Lou Will, especially now that he's kind of a he's fading a little bit. He's like 34 years old, and you can really see this season has kind of been the worst he's had in a while. It's it's kind of the end of his uh of his I don't want to say the end of his career, but he's definitely past his prime now, and it's kind of just playing down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, I think Rondo is a, is a proven playoff performer, a former champion, two-time champion. In fact, a great playmaker, great defender, and I think that's just the kind of piece that uh, the Clippers needed. So I really like this trade from their perspective. Yeah, as you said, he is a better playoff performer. I mean, has has proven to be, and he also provides a lot on defense, as you mentioned. I mean, for for a team with as influx of offensive talent as uh, as the Clippers have, and I mean a few great defensive pieces. I mean you can't look past Kawhi, but I mean R- Rondo does provide a lot uh, to both sides of the ball, more so on defense. So I think especially going into the playoffs with how with how much veteran experience we've seen really proves to be beneficial to a team like that. I think I think it's definitely the definitely the right move for that team, and I think it panned out very well. I do want to touch on I don't know if you had any others after this one, but I want to bring up the trio of Raptors moves that were made: Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood, and then uh, the dealing of Terrence Davis and Matt Tom for two future second rounders from uh from the kings and the jazz i think the uh the davis and thomas moves aren't aren't really super notable to me i think they got what second round pick for each of them so yeah so you're, you're not getting terrible value back it's not really a big win but it's it's fine the trent jr slash rodney hood for Norman powell is is the more interesting trade and i actually think that they're coming out pretty nicely on this one i think this this actually benefited them i I think gary trent showed a lot this season especially since the trade and his production has kind of been similar to powell's despite being about three years younger so i think his his upside is pretty high so i i really like it for them I, i think this is a this is a trade that's ended up working out for them not a not a huge win i think Powell is obviously a good player and he's he's played pretty well in Portland as well. So got to give him credit. But I think down the line future, I, I really like this, uh, this pickup for the Raptors. Yeah, I think um, I think we did see it early. Like Trent had a lot of he had a big influx of early success. I mean, his scoring has been pretty sporadic game to game. And I think Hood's only played like three and a half, four minutes a game for the Raptors, or at least this season. I mean, I think in the long run, I think this is a win. As you mentioned, I mean, Trent's a few years younger. I think he has a lot more time to pan out with uh, some of the other youth that we have in the organization. But I don't mind the move. I mean, having to having to part ways with a guy like Norm, who's been a staple in an organization for a very long time, I think was kind of tough to see. Um, I am very happy to see him succeed. I mean, he's been playing very well. But I think for the future of the Raptors, I think this is a good move. I mean, Gary Trent showed a lot of upside. I think I think he provides a lot for our team. He provides a lot of scoring from the guard position. And I mean, he, he's just one of those guys who can he can create he can score himself um create separation for his teammates and i mean rodney hood rodney hood whether or not he gets minutes i mean he's kind of just one of those veteran bench guys who can come off the bench shoot when he needs to i mean play a little bit of defense here and there but i mean rodney hood doesn't do too much i think um i think gary trent's definitely kind of the the pivotal piece in the trade but i think for the future i think it was a good move i mean not really i an outstanding move in my mind i really i think it kind of just did bits and pieces for the raps future but i mean i don't mind the move i, I just wanted to bring it up more so because like we're it's close to home like we're pretty close to toronto so i wanted to bring it up even though you're not you're not a raptors guy so 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, let it let it be known. Nolan is not a Raptors fan. Not as as big of a Raptors hater as I am uh, a hater of most Toronto stuff. So yeah, there's okay. that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not move on to the Leafs. This is a basketball podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, was there were there really any other moves you wanted to bring up? I mean, not really. I don't think uh, there was a lot of moves at this deadline that really moved the needle for any team. So I think we covered uh, covered the main ones. I think we did too. Okay, so that'll do it for episode five. Uh, we're actually going to record our next episode very shortly. We're going to be doing our award races going into the end of the season. We're also going to be looking at our All-NBA first, second, and third teams along with our rookie team and All-Defensive team. And yeah, I mean, Nolan, do you have anything that you're uh, you're working on that's coming up? Started, uh, started working on my big board article for the 2021 draft. That's not coming up for a few months though probably so keep on the lookout for that but that's that's going to be a, a while a while away from now so yeah no no one's a big working in advance guy if you haven't noticed he, he likes doing the work down the road <laughs> Um, but also tune in. We have a big, we have big plans coming up Thursday for the NFL draft. Uh, our football department, uh, me, Rob and Jack in particular, we're hopping on, whether it be a live stream, we're going to re- live record, uh, our reactions and our thoughts for the NFL, uh, draft throughout the first round. We might be going live on Instagram. So be sure to pop onto our, uh, our Instagram page, hop into the chat. You guys can come live with us. Maybe. Yeah. Give your, give your thoughts as we're, as we're reacting as well. So we have, uh, we have a lot of exciting things coming up, uh, everyone getting out of school so it's going to be free up a lot of time for us to release and pump out a lot more content and look for a lot more episodes of the uh of the layup line going forward especially with how much time nolan and i are going to have so be sure to tune into our next episode should be a very exciting one talking about some awards some all nba team predictions and yeah guys check us out on instagram at over the line sports uh, ca and then check out the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts whether that be apple Podcasts, spotify itunes anchor wherever that may be and yeah guys take it easy make your layups